Hi folks, welcome to the Getting Your Edge podcast. My name is Dennis. And hi, I'm Judy Grattan. And we're here to help you right-size your home and your life. Welcome, everyone, to Episode 7 of Getting Your Edge, How to Right Size Your Home and Life podcast, brought to you by the fabulous Edge Group team. We're here to give you an edge in all your real estate needs. We have a very informative show for you today. I'm your host, Dennis Day, and my usual co-host, Judy Gratton, is recovering from shoulder surgery. Ouch. And she can't be with us today. Judy, we wish you a speedy recovery. I'm really excited about to introduce our special guest here, Mike Rue of Evergreen Wealth Managers. Uh, Mike is an independent full-service financial service firm serving the greater Seattle area and based in Bothell. Welcome, Mike Rue. Dennis, good morning. Nice to be here. Before we get going on this interview, I want to remind you, this podcast is free to all with no subscription fees or advertising. So I'm asking you to please send us a feedback through Apple Podcasts, subscribe or follow us, give us a star rating on Spotify or other directory, share the podcast link with someone who could use the information. This would really help us out in building our audience. Thank you. And I do have a special offer at the end of this podcast, so be sure to stay tuned to the very end. Let's get started. Mike Rue, give us a little history about you and what you offer people in financial advising. Oh, terrific. I'm a, a, a financial planner and I've had a, a practice for uh, oh, about 30 years now. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm working under the auspices of an independent financial firm, uh, broker-dealer is, is, the, is what they call it. And so I'm not, uh, the advice I give is my own and, uh, the oversight is through, uh, through that kind of, uh, that kind of organization. Uh, I work with retirees, pre-retirees, folks who need some help, uh, getting, uh, getting some organization and risk management and grow investments and make it work for them. Oftentimes it's retirement. Sometimes it's college planning. Sometimes it's new businesses, that kind of thing. Been doing it for quite a long time and, uh, enjoy it. I've got the best job in the world perhaps uh, next to yours, right? Oh, well, yeah. So this Edge Group team is um, as far uh, do you want to add a little thing about your family life, maybe your hobbies and things like that? I hear you're a woodworker. I live in Boston, my wife and I. We have two cats. If anyone wants a cat, just give a holler. We can can work something out. Uh, I'm active in the uh, uh, Chamber of Commerce. I'm a past president and active in the community, just uh, doing stuff, which uh, volunteer stuff, which I enjoy. Got a shop in my house that I make sawdust and uh, and make furniture for friends and family and and ourselves. So I just uh, making sawdust is what I call it. Filled up a couple houses full of furniture that, that I made. Uh, enjoy doing that. It's one of several hobbies that I have. Okay. I wanted to let you know that our Edge Group team has really geared our business towards helping people who want or need to right-size their life, meaning their home is not working for them. They need a change. Question I ask you, the questions I ask you will be related to the people who are thinking of downsizing. Going from that forever home and finding the right fit and the lifestyle that they want to live. So we've got a lot of people here who are in their big forever home. 
They've probably paid the mortgage off. Maybe they have some residual mortgage left from a remodel or something. But basically, they're they've got a large quantity of equity in their home. It's too big. They're tired of the maintenance. They're yard work and all those things, maybe even high taxes. So they're ready to make a change. And those options are endless, uh, really. They go to a condo, the Rambler, the RV, moving to changing to a multi-generational household, renting, selling and then renting, living abroad, a manufactured home, or even a retirement community, all kinds of choices there. So my question is, Mike, before downsizing process begins, And the home is sold financially. What would you suggest these homeowners do first? Well, I think these are big decisions uh, for for folks. And these are typically uh, people in their 60s, 70s. But every situation is different. There are a couple of several aspects to this. Some of them are financial, which is an area that I work in, how to make assets of any kind, whether it's a newly sold house or assets that you already have, into income. And that's that's in in my uh, my wheelhouse on how to kind of sort that out. But the other side of that is lifestyle. Folks who are uh, in that situation that you described are making these big decisions and they're not easy to make and it involves change. This is a way of been doing it for 30, 40, however, however many years that they're that they're doing this. And maybe their kids are saying, or maybe they're coming to that own realization that we got to be in a different thing. And it's hard. Just the size of the project of getting rid of stuff the feeling of, of what it feels like to, to move from a house you've been in for a long time to move into a new and foreign, I don't not foreign, but a, a new environment that they have to get used to. So it kind of requires kid gloves oftentimes to make that happen for professionals such as you who are suggesting, making suggestions about that and both were, uh, you know, what kinds of these decisions that you pointed out, whether it's with a small house or apartment or retirement community or any number of things, and just how to make that work out. What uh, is involved in that and the front end is to get an assessment of what you have and what your income needs are and the value of your house uh, and uh, equity of the house. Sometimes there's a mortgage, sometimes not. Um, and to see if the if the math works. Uh, get an assessment of how much the house is worth and then assess your other finances as well. Absolutely. And a real important part of that uh, and I ask this uh, question of my clients a lot, and they frequently don't know or don't know accurately as how much do you spend every month on stuff. And some people will live on two or $3,000 a month. Some people will live on $20,000 a month just on, on paying the bills and, and the lifestyle that you've dialed into this. And those things matter a lot. The size of your nest egg will support a certain level of income for the rest of your life. Uh, and sometimes it's plenty big. I, I've got a million dollars and I only spend $2,000 a month. You're golden. But if you've got $20,000 and you spend $10,000 a month, the math doesn't work. So <laughs> either you, you yourself do that, do that uh, kind of analysis or have somebody help you do that. That's an area that I, I certainly can uh, uh, be of help with. But the amount of your assets, uh, what a differential would be if you're going from a big house to a small house. Well, what you know, what's left after you're done after you're done doing that? Should you have a mortgage on the second house? Sometimes that makes sense, and, and just see if the income supports what you're considering doing. Great. Now, Mike, before we go went to this interview, I we talked, and you said your business you like to take a holistic approach. Yeah to financial management. Can you explain what that means to our listeners? 
Well, in the in the marketplace out there of people who do things similar to mine, it's hard for a consumer to know who you're talking with. What are their qualifications? Are they representing you? Are they representing a company? Are they selling insurance? Are they selling uh, you know things like that? And how how they are compensated matters. But so if you're looking for somebody to to be of the most help, in my opinion, somebody who has a teamwork has a team of financial people, real estate people, oftentimes legal people, lawyers who can help with state planning issues, which is its own its own large topic and an important one. Accounting, things that come up with sales of houses and coordination of all of this. And it's common for a person to get conflicting advice, called my accountant and he said, this is too much tax, don't do it, without knowing all the other things that are involved in that. I called my real estate person, he's going to charge a big percentage for a, for a transaction and that's too much, I can't pay it. Well, let's take a step back and take a bigger picture and get the, the people in the same room here, if needed, to uh, look at the big picture here rather than just a little slice of the, of the, of the problem that you're dealing with. These people, the lawyers, the accountants, and so tend to be in silos. And with your holistic approach, you're, you think this is more helpful to clients? No question. Okay. No question. Yeah. Social Security is an important part of retirement. Could the sale of a home and downsizing have an impact on someone's Social Security income? No, is the short answer. The, your Social Security will remain the same uh, if you are, regardless of where you're living. Uh, but there are some, definitely some Social Security issues that come up. If you are in your 60s, typically, you have choices, your choice as to when to start up Social Security. You can start up anytime between age 62 and 70. So that's a decision on this uh, on this grid, financial planning stuff, is when to do that. Sale of a, sale of a home, if, if you're in your 60s and you have not taken, uh, not yet started up Social Security, the sale of the home might uh, enable you to push back this decision to take it later for a higher dollar amount. The sooner you start, if you start at 62, you're going to get X. If you wait till 66, it's going to be X plus 20%. And if you wait till you're 70, it'll be X plus 40 or 45%, something like that, a much bigger number. So as we analyze your income flow, your income need, and the, and where your sources of income are, Social the timing of when to start Social Security matters depending on the other assets that you have. If you've already started it, it's you're locked in. So if they've already started collecting Social Security, it's not really an issue whether they sell their home or not. Right. But if you are, uh, depending on your age group and health and, and such, if you have a spouse who dies, that can, uh, and oftentimes these kinds of downsizing are triggered by events like that. So the Social Security income uh, will go down because you're having two two folks down to one, for, uh, one surviving spouse. The surviving spouse will generally uh, get the higher of the two Social Securities. If someone if, if someone's getting $2,500 a month, someone's getting $1,800 a month, uh, the survivor will get $2,500 a month like that. But if there's a death of a, a spouse, income goes down. And so that needs to enter into the uh, enter into this picture as you're doing income projections and income needs. Can often lead up selling a home like this can often lead to large quantity if they have equity in the home. Right. Are there should downsizers work worry about 
the tax liability, their home being sold? Well, the the issue is capital gains. Not everyone will pay capital gains, and the capital gains means uh, what you uh, what you paid for a house or uh, securities too. There's is not only houses. If you paid, uh, if you got, if a couple, for example, bought a house in 1970 and it was worth by today's standards not very much, hundred thousand dollars, and then here it is in 2023 and they sold for a million dollars. Uh, and that's not an uncommon scenario. Uncle Sam will say that $900,000 is capital gains. Now you get an exemption from that. They'll give you, is it 500, 500K as a married couple? And then you, the capital gains to that would be 400K. You pay up 15 to 20% of that. So in that scenario, yes. And so, uh, but if it's, if they bought it at $700,000 and sold for a million, then it's not. So those, those numbers matter. Uh, and a tax professional should be involved. That's where getting one involved early here to make that a more firm number for which you to make your uh, decisions on is an important part of the process. Another thing that enters into capital gains is if if a spouse dies. There's a step up in basis, it's called, where the date of death is now the new marker of where you're computing the capital gains from. A accounting professional should be involved in that discussion as well. But that's uh, from a, from a purely financial point of view that that is a uh, a tax a tax event that you need to pay attention to in that as part of that decision. The widow or a widower could have uh, some relief from that huge yes. tax bill. But uh, and let's say that you that you've done the transaction or intend to do the transaction, and the accountant says, "Okay, you're you've got." A large, uh, you've got a large check in your, in your, that we just sent you, $500,000 million, whatever the number is, set aside $150,000. Set it aside because next spring you're going to be paying that, spring following the year in which it happens. And so the, you segregate that, or you can actually prepay it if you want to by making a quarterly payment and, and just build that into the, build that into the plan. It, it happens, it's usually not as big as uh, as people fear that it's going to be, and it frequently doesn't happen at all, but it's an item that you need to know about. Kind of going back to the holistic approach, so you've talked about working with real estate professional to help someone assess their home, a tax advisor, yes. an accountant, yeah. you as a financial planner, and even a lawyer for... Well, the downsizing is uh, not... Uh, uh, necessarily uh, related to downsizing. Uh, did I say downsizing is not related to estate planning? Estate planning uh, is something that uh, in my conversations uh, always comes up with my clients. Do, do you have your will or, uh, or uh, alternative uh, to uh, move assets that you have uh, when you die to somebody who remains? It's really important, and it's not, and it's pretty painless. So when a if you're a married couple and you move from A to B, nothing legally happens in terms of your estate plan. When people die or become infirm, if they become unhealthy and can no, can no longer make decisions on their behalf, then having uh, powers of the appropriate powers of attorney in, in place to make those kinds of difficult decisions is important. And it's so much easier to do on the front end of that as it is trying to do that after the fact. Then it becomes much more complex, expensive, and lengthy. And you may not get the results you want. An attorney should be involved in this process. So is the estate planning part of your 
Absolutely, absolutely. Though I'm not okay. an attorney, uh, I'm very conversant in the in the issues that they deal with, uh, and I am oftentimes sitting in the attorney's office, the client saying, "Let's get this squared away. Here's the here's the money side of this, and I know how that's working. Let's coordinate that with the, with the legal work that to be done. Higher the net worth of the client, the more important this is." How do you choose the people you work with in all these different areas? Oh well, because I've I've been doing this for a while, I get acquainted with these folks professionally from any number of sources, other referrals, or just people I've known really sometimes for 15, 20 years or more. And I've worked with them and I know how they do. There are some uh, professionals that I work with them and I say, let's not use this person anymore. Even highly qualified and credentialed folks sometimes don't follow up well, or it's not their specialty, or you know they're overworked and understaffed, or sometimes you need a quick answer. So it's a selective process and it evolves. Some of them go in and out. I've had accountants and lawyers and others, real estate folks, associated with my business for 20 years, and they fine-tune them over, over time. So you vetted over the 20 years, you vetted your partners. Yes, absolutely. Okay. absolutely. Downsizing process. Um, you oftentimes get a large quantity of money at yeah. once. Yeah. Can you give me some situations where that can be problematic? Well, we, we discussed the capital gains. Sometimes there's family dynamics that play into this. And if you have family, kids who um, are perhaps not on the of the highest ethics or <laughs> who, who, are, <laughs> who are especially needy and, and that kind of thing. It's certainly been known to happen where they take advantage of moms or dads inability to make decisions or or unwillingness to upset the apple cart that kind of thing you know i need a i need a new car a new horse or a new <laughs> a new something and oh, okay yeah it's fine and and i've seen this where someone in that situation the family in that situation has just barely enough to to get by and then someone you know family members doing this and saying i need money i need money and it's to their detriment my i say my advice when that happens is that's not sustainable for you to do that financially. Can we find another way? And I'm successful only part of the time on that. And it creates situations which are uh, which are uh, compromising to our, can be compromising to our clients. That's not the only thing that can happen, but that's one of them. It's been mentioned that Americans have most of their wealth in their family home. Is that really true? It's frequently true. Lots of exceptions, but uh, that's frequently true. It depends on your age. You know, if you're if you're 70, it's almost always true. If you're 25, it's almost never true. But it's so it just kind of depends on what stage of life you're in that that, that that's the case. And when when you sell a house or sell a home or any other large asset, the usually the question that comes up for perhaps you and uh, for me and my business is how do I turn this in this this proceed into a, a sustainable income stream? Almost always when I have it, you've got a half million dollars here. How much income can this add to my income stream to last for the rest of my life? And the answer is easy if you tell me how long you're going to live. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they it's usually like go there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and they shrug, you know. But, and if you do that, I can have you spend the last dollar on the last day. But uh, other considerations come up in there. There's a, there's a kind of a quick shorthand that, uh, that you need to take with a grain of salt. But if you have, take a 5% withdrawal, let's say you're in your 70s or mid 70s, 
and you take a 5% withdrawal from your nest egg, it'll almost always sustain you for the rest of your life. So a half million dollars in the, let's call it bank, you took $2,000 a month, that's $24,000 a year of income to your stream. It'll almost certainly be there for, it'll, it'll outsurvive you. And, and it can be a legacy for kids, which is important to some people and not for others. So that's part of this process. Or if you take $4,000 a month, double that, then you'll have a declining, a declining balance. And that's sort of okay, depending on how steep this curve is. It's okay if, the, if, if you run out of money when you're in the numbers, say when you're 105, that kind of works. But if you, if you're overdrawing to that, it runs out when you're 81, that's not good. Uh, and my job is to, to make sure that this is sustainable and all. And I'm uh, in my, in my position here, I'm ethically and legally involved or, or labeled as a fiduciary which means that I make recommendations based on, not on my own needs or compensation, but on take that very seriously and employ it in my practice. Are there times when a homeowner shouldn't downsize? Oh, maybe. Uh, more of a lifestyle decision than anything else. I, I have a client who lives up in Arlington and she's 90, she's 90, and her husband died here four or five years ago. She's got this big three or 4,000 square foot rambler that she's lived in for 30, 40 years, long time. And her, her health is starting to become an issue, but she has good support. She loves her house. She's mobile. She has good family support around her and knows who to call when the roof leaks and enough assets that that's, that, that works for her. That's fine. Should she downside? No, I'm not. This, this still works for her. So, okay, that comes up. It, it's a little uncommon, uh, but it, it certainly comes up. Should they make a plan for the next move though? Well, yes. <laughs> if you're considering what, the, what you don't want to be, an event you don't want to have happen, and this is a, a family thing, is when you're of advanced age and perhaps declining health and postponing this decision to move is not to have something, uh, at least a plan in place and having a professional kind of be able to look up for you. If what can happen that is creates uh, problems for families is when mom falls and breaks a bone and you need, or breaks a hip or whatever, and you need, to, we, we need to find a home for her next Tuesday, you know, fast. There are professionals who do that. And I, uh, and I know several of them who, who are uh, looking retirement places and, and sometimes long-term care facilities. That's all they do is find the best one and the best location, the price, all that sort of stuff so that it fits into this person. And having those conversations can't hurt at all. But it, uh, it would be unusual for someone who's healthy and active and, and otherwise happy with where they are to pull that trigger because then you, you start a process. But having these having these folks and these connections ahead of time, always a good idea. I make a plan. I have some experience on that when yeah. my mother and father wanted to go into a, a retirement community together. And then after just even a few days, my father, we, we really discovered that this facility could not give him proper care and had to move him immediately. It was very, very difficult and stressful and you're making decisions on the fly. Yeah. So yeah, make a plan. All you baby boomers, <laughs> right. your plans with your parents <laughs> and be ready. Believe me from personal experience, you will benefit from having some kind of ideas of what you want to do right. in My the mother, future. 
uh, is 91, uh, 92 here next week. And we, uh, about 12, 13 years ago, we built a, we built a new house and then, and provided a mother-in-law apartment for her downstairs for her own access and parking, that kind of thing. And she's going through that now. And, and in the last year, her, uh, health is declining some, somewhat sharply, but still that's a very comfortable environment for her and for us as care, caregivers. We've recently, um, removed her keys for her car, <laughs> which is, <laughs> which was uh, difficult. And uh, I don't, uh, I, I feel the same way, but it's those kinds of things that come up that you have to kind of massage and, and do that. But she's, this has worked out really well for her and for us. There might be a time where that, where we're, we're not, on, we're not able to continue to provide that, but it's just that, that kind of stuff that you need the I've got good contacts to make that happen, but it's, uh, it, yeah, it happens for folks. You, you're over 50, right? And I'm over 50. <laughs> barely. Uh, barely. <laughs> where, where those, uh, where aging parents become uh, are certainly an issue. Is there anything else you'd like to tell our listeners and viewers about preparing for retirement and downsizing? I, I'm a planner, so always have a plan. Be proactive on it rather than rather than try to put pieces together when when craziness happens on you suddenly. It costs nothing to do that. If you if you want to have a consultation with me, I'll gladly provide that at no cost uh, to anyone who wants to have a more detailed discussion. Happy to do it. So take advantage of that. I'll be in. So they can reach you at this. They can. Evergreen Wealth Managers. Yeah. And here's, here's the address. It's uh, based in Bothell, Washington. There should be a uh, email there too, as well. What is the website address? Evergreenplanning.com. Evergreenplanning.com. Great. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Happy to help. Thank you, Mike, for yeah, joining us. I um, the invitation and uh, happy to help anytime. So that's it for our episode number seven of the Edge Group Real Estate Team. Uh, How to Right Size Your Home and Life podcast. As always, we have a freebie packed with our information. Mike's going to send us some information about, well, downsizing, planning, and so forth for, let's say, I'm not saying that very well, planning for retirement, downsizing, and the future. If you're thinking about downsizing, you can give him a ring. And as I said, we're going to have a special gift from the Edge Group team. If you are the first person to give us a five-star review of this podcast, at Apple Podcasts, and we only can do it at Apple Podcasts because that is the only place right now that we know of where you can leave a review. All the other places you can leave stars, ratings, but Apple is the only one that gives a review. If you send us a five-star review, we'll email you a $25 Amazon gift card for just taking a few minutes to say a couple of sentences. Thank you very much, Mike. Thank you for all of you who stayed with this program and follow us or subscribe, like, share, comment on any of our previous podcasts. And thank you for watching and or listening. That's it. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Dennis. Goodbye. That's it, folks. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for future episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks. Goodbye.